This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the internet and radio ministry of the Christian Crusaders. In Jesus' day, the cruel treatment of prisoners was not unusual. Jesus' death was likewise extremely brutal and gruesome. However, as he hung suffering and dying on the cross, something else was happening behind the scenes that no one could see but him. Let's talk more about that in today's message. Today, as we continue our series, Like No Other, we are going to examine how the death of Jesus was like no other. I hope you'll stay with us, because there's some good news ahead for you. We begin our time together in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God of grace and glory, we praise and thank you for the love and kindness that you have shown this world of ours throughout the ages. We especially thank you this day for your holy word, which gives us life. Amen. Our reading for today is from Mark chapter 15, beginning at verse 16. Then the soldiers led Jesus into the courtyard of the palace, and they called together the whole cohort, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him, and they began saluting him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck his head with a reed, spat upon him, and knelt down in homage to him. And after mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. 
Then they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he didn't take it. And they crucified him and divided his clothes among them, casting lots to decide what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read the king of the Jews, and with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided Jesus, shaking their heads and saying, Aha, you would destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking Jesus among themselves, saying, He saved others. He can't save himself. Let the Messiah, the King, come down from the cross now, so that we may see and believe. And those who were crucified with Jesus also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And then at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of the bystanders heard it, they said, Listen, he's calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him, saying, Let's see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. Dear friends, for the past 31 years at my congregation's Good Friday worship services, I've had the whole passion story of Christ's suffering and death read during that time together. We intersperse hymns between each scene of the passion story, and it's a meaningful experience for us. 
The reason why I have always insisted on doing it this way is that I believe it's important that we be reminded of the cruelty, the brutality, the evil, and the darkness that Jesus went through for us. You have to agree that it's a dark, gruesome story. As we observe humanity at its worst, Jesus suffered greatly at the hands of sinful, mean-spirited men. We look at the beatings, the humiliation, the crown of thorns, the flogging, the mockery, the spit, the nails in his hands and feet, the injustice, and the desertion and betrayal of friends. And it makes you cringe. But I always make it a point then, during my message, to make sure that the congregation is reminded that what makes the death of Jesus unique, like no other, is not these gruesome details, as important as they are to solemnly review. We know that death on a cross and cruel treatment of prisoners was not unusual. No, something else is going on at that cross that you might even say is kind of a behind-the-scenes thing that no one can see. But Jesus, his death was different from all others. You see, what makes his death so different is the purpose behind it, the the meaning of it. It was a life-saving mission of mercy and grace planned by God for our good. In his first sermon that the Apostle Peter gave on Pentecost, he told the crowd in Jerusalem, This man Jesus was handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You see, this plan began as God told the serpent in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve's disobedience in Genesis, He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This is a promise to Abraham being fulfilled of a descendant who would be a blessing to all the nations of the world. This is the one whom Isaiah the prophet described would be led like a lamb to the slaughter, and by his wounds we would be healed. The death of Jesus was more than a martyr's death. Look at who's on that cross. Jesus, true man, but true God. As the Nicene Creed says, very God of very God. And he was utterly innocent. He had done no wrong. Yet here he is on a cross, suffering and dying. In fact, Scripture tells us he was sinless. He committed no sin. Peter says in one of his letters in the New Testament that he was without sin. Paul talked of him as one who knew no sin. He willingly died on that cross. By the way, he didn't have to be dragged to the cross. Earlier on, he actually embraced his oncoming death with authority, saying, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He chose the cross out of obedience to his heavenly Father who ordained it. Ultimately, what made his death like no other is it had to happen. It was a necessity. It was God's gracious 
plan to save a perishing world. As Jesus told his disciples, not once but three times before it happened, I must go to Jerusalem and be rejected and suffer and die on the third day and then on the third day rise again. I must, he said. It's necessary. Why? That's easy to answer. One word, sin. Sin. All of us have sinned. And we fall short of the glory of God. There's a word, emphasis on that word all. No one is excluded. And what is sin? We're not just talking about murder and robbing banks here. Our thoughts, our words, our actions, and lack of action sometimes break God's commands. There's self-centeredness within us. Our thoughts are not holy, but oftentimes impure. We all continually fall short of the mark. And to break one commandment is to break them all. Every one of us is stained with sin, guilty in God's sight, deserving of punishment. And we cannot save ourselves. We cannot erase the stain. We cannot make ourselves right again before God. No more than you and I could long jump the Grand Canyon. We will always fall short, no matter how hard we try to live totally obedient to God and do good things in order to earn our way into his favor for all our good deeds. Scripture tells us are nothing more than filthy rags in his sight. Remember, God is holy and just, and he, and he loves us. After all, he made us in his image, but he's holy and just, and our sins must be punished, paid for in some way. In Scripture, it says the sins of the guilty will not go unpunished. God cannot have us sinful humankind in his heaven, which is pure and unblemished. The wages of sin is death. We are spiritually dead in our relationship with God in this world, and we have nothing but eternal death waiting for us in the next, away from God. But here is what God did out of love. Here's the good news for sinful men and women like me and like you. Jesus came into this world. He lived the perfect, sinless life that I could not live. He was absolutely righteous. And then he suffered and went to that cross to pay for our sinfulness. He took the judgment for our sin upon himself. As the Apostle Paul writes to the Colossian Christians, And you who were dead in your sin, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, our sins were nailed to the cross. He took our place. He who knew no sin became sin and experienced God's wrath and judgment on our behalf as we hear him cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What makes his death like no other is that he was acting as a substitute for our atonement. 
He said to his disciples that he'd come to give his life as a ransom, a payment for many, for everyone. Later on, Paul will write of this death, saying he died that we might be justified. Justification is a legal term from the law court, that we might be declared not guilty by God. His death was for our forgiveness of our sins. And don't forget, his death was not the final word. It ended in resurrection that was part of the plan. God affirmed that sacrificial death on Easter morning when he raised him back to life. His death is like no other because his death rescues us from sin and death and the power of the devil. It is the way, the only way, back to a restored relationship with God in eternal life. And why? Why did he go through this? Why did God give us his son like this? Simple. It was out of love. Our Father desires that all would be saved from sin and death. And this death calls for a response from each one of us who hear it. Just hearing about it and knowing about it doesn't help. A person is saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And faith is simply trusting Christ for what he's done for you, receiving the free gift that he's offering you of eternal life and following him the rest of your days, building your life upon his word and his promises. Perhaps you're someone listening in today who has not yet received that gift. You haven't understood that God wants to give it to you. If you were to die today, perhaps you don't know where you would be spending eternity. It eats away at you, wondering. Well, here's some good news for you. You can know. There's a statement near the end of the Old Testament in 1 John that says, All these things have been written so that you may know that you have eternal life. And there's this wonderful verse near the end of the New Testament in Revelation chapter 3. Here I am, says Jesus. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Holman Hunt, the pre-Raphaelite artist, illustrated this verse with a painting that has become quite famous. It's called The Light of the World. Perhaps you've seen it. It's a picture of Jesus standing outside a house. He's knocking on the door. It's the door of your life. And he's saying, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. I'd like to come into the house of your life and be a part of it, to eat with you, which was a sign of friendship. In the picture, the door is kind of overgrown with thorns and thistles and weeds. It's like this person has never opened the door to Jesus. And Holman Hunt was once told by some that his painting had a terrible flaw. There's no handle on the door, a critic said. And he said, in response, that's not a mistake. There is a handle. The handle is on the inside. Jesus is not going to force his way into a person's life. He knocks and he leaves it up to you to decide whether to ask him in. He waits your response. And I'm asking you today, have you, have you responded?
If not, why not open that door to your life right now to him? It's simply a matter of asking him to come in as you talk to him in a prayer and tell him you want to receive the forgiveness and eternal life he wants to give. Tell him you're sorry for how you've tried to run your own life and that you want to follow him from now on. And he promises he will come in and be your friend, your savior, whose yoke is easy and burden is light and you'll find rest for your soul. Or perhaps you are someone who has lived with Jesus Christ in your life for quite some time. You've enjoyed that free gift of salvation with Jesus, the assurance that is yours. You, you know how costly the gift was and what his death on the cross accomplished for you. And you've wondered, how can I say thanks or show thanks for the things he's done for me? I'm reminded of a verse of an old sacred hymn. It's like a prayer. What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend, for this thy dying sorrow, thy pity without end? O oh, make me thine forever, and should I fainting be, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love to thee. I would invite you to consider and act upon a statement made in Martin Luther's small catechism, the second article. After describing who Jesus is and what he's done for us on a cross, he says, All this he has done that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead and lives and rules eternally. There you have it. Live under him. Let him take over your life. Live the rest of your days doing life his way, according to his word. Be a doer of his word. When you open the scripture and see things like, forgive as you've been forgiven, or love as I have loved you, or turn the other cheek, instead of just studying it and thinking about it, do it. That's what it means to live under him. He calls the shots. After all, remember, you now belong to him. You've been bought with a price his precious blood, and serve him. Serve him, not yourself, not the things of this world, but him. And service to him means throwing caution to the wind and telling others in your sphere of influence what he's done for them so that they can get in on what you've received and then nurturing them in that newfound relationship with Christ. It means compassionately serving others in his name as he has called us to do so that all may get in on the life God wants us all to receive, eternal life. Oh, how he loves you and me. Is there any doubt? Just look at that cross. His death is like no other. It saves. Amen. Oh, to see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men, torn and beaten then, nailed to
Thank you for the sacrifice you made that paid for our sins and rescued us from sin and death. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the Internet and Radio Ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has encouraged you to be a doer of God's Word as you serve Him and tell others in your sphere of influence about what He has done for them. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry dependent upon gifts from our listening audience. Estate gifts have become a significant part of this ministry and enable us to enlarge our broadcast area. For information on how to include Christian Crusaders in your will, contact our office at 1-888-693-2484. You may also write Christian Crusaders at Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. We thank all who support this ministry with their prayers and gifts. If you'd like to hear today's message again, be sure to check us out on the Internet. You'll also find messages from previous Sundays and many other useful spiritual tools. Visit our colorful new website anytime at christiancrusaders.org. Christian Crusaders currently broadcast on 27 radio stations across the United States and on the World Wide Web. Please consider, if you are in a position to do so, sending a gift to help cover production and broadcast cost of these venues. In this way, you become a partner in providing a Sunday worship service for those who need to hear the gospel message. We thank each of you for your gifts and prayers. 
We are happy you chose to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting the service today was our speaker, the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota. Christian Crusaders is now in its 82nd year of continuous Sunday worship broadcasting.